welcome to episode 50 of Talking Wild Madness. I just had to record this very short introduction. Uh, tonight's episode is 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 a bit is a bit wild. It's a bit mad, and uh, and there's a bit of talking in there. Um, as per the policy, every uh, ten shows there's a song at the end, but I, there's no way I could um, there's no way I could factor in with what we were talking about with a song at the end. So this introduction really is, uh, you know, in 48 minutes from now, there's a, there's a country song uh, called No Time for Love. Uh, but there's, there's no rhyme or reason. It doesn't fit into the episode in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the episode is, yeah, yeah the episode's a little dark and, and, and hopefully a little hopeful, but there's a country song at the end. So I uh, hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 50 of Talking Wild Madness. Uh, this is an unprecedented, unprecedented uh, time, an unprecedented podcast. <clears throat> well, I don't want to get too crazy. The podcast is unprecedented. But, um, uh, man, we, we, are, we, are in the, we are in the midst of some absolute, we are in the midst of some absolute viral madness at the moment. And we're not talking about viral videos or, or, or viral Snapchat, uh, Snapchat or viral Instagrams. We literally are in the middle of a viral pandemic where people are dying in their thousands. We are in a Stephen King novel. And it's very interesting to see different people react to this. There's, it's interesting to see how different countries react to that. To, to this, my sister who lives in Tasmania sent me a, a video today of a man from Northern Ireland, and Northern Ireland has a population of uh, I'm I'm absolutely paraphrasing here, but I think it was like two million, it might have been three million, and they had a grand total of eighty eight ICU beds for people to, uh, that were available for people. Now, that also includes people who need ICU beds when the coronavirus is not around. And yet there are still people, apparently, in, in Northern Ireland, people are still just walking around the place, having a good time, business as usual. And this, this idea of flattening the curve is is uh, not floating. It's not, it's not something that people want to talk about. It's not something that people want to in, engage with. It's not something that people want to participate in. Um, I am, I, at the moment, I am in UWA, in the Albany campus. I'm in, I'm in a room by myself. It's nearly 10 o'clock at night. And I think the photocopier just flared again. Just to, we hear you. We hear you. We do hear you. We do hear you, Mr. Photocopier. Um, but there are still people going out to bars here in Albany. There are still people going out to coffee shops. There are still people 
um, going out to uh, uh, and it, now listen in Albany we have some of the greatest we have some of the greatest landscapes on earth we have some of the most rugged coastlines on the planet uh, we have some of uh, we have some of the most gorgeous uh, I, I think it's called triodiversity uh, 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 flora here. Um, we 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 are an amazing part of the planet, but we have some of. Having said that, we have some of the shittest coffee shops in the history of the world. We have some of the shittest restaurants in the history of the world. Now there are one or two good ones. There are one or two good ones, but there are plenty where you go in and you order a ham and cheese sandwich on white bread that's been toasted. Um, we still have those coffee shops here, cafes. Well, they used to be called coffee shops, now they're cafes. Um, but we have some beautiful cafes here, but we also have some terrible cafes. And people are out in these terrible cafes. Today, there are people out in, in some of the worst cafes Albany has on offer eating white bread and baked beans and ham and cheese sandwiches. And they are, they, they are doing it, uh, I suppose, with impunity. Uh, and I saw, it, uh, I saw a horrendous video today of people in Bondi Beach. And the beach was absolutely swamped with people, thousands and thousands of people. And, uh, and they were interviewing some of the people on the beach. And the people on the beach were saying, well, I'm, I'm not at risk. I'm healthy. I'm young. It's just a heavy flu. I'm, uh, everything's going to be okay. And there is a part of me that thinks, you know, man, you're being too, uh, you're, you're, you're being too, you know, you're, you're getting scared. You're, you're, you're falling into the scaremongering. You are, uh, yeah, you know, you're not being intelligent enough. But man, I I would rather be wrong. I would rather be overcautious and wrong. And as I said in in a couple of the other podcasts, I am absolutely in no way, shape, or form a political uh, person. I have absolutely no faith in uh, in 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 the government, in the soap opera of the of the government. I have no I have no literally not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, am I uh, locked in to, 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 to this? But I'm locked into this. I'm locked into this for whatever reason. And I think it was going to Perth and seeing, playing St. Patrick's Day gig, and I just, there was literally no one there. So then it, it, it kind of freaks you out when you come back here, and there is, there are people hanging out in cafes like it's business as normal. Like we are going into the herd, uh, what is it? The herd mentality, the the herd vaccination. The man I, I listened to today, and he was—I don't know who he was. He he, he looked pretty sharp. He, he looked very sharp, and he was talking about that on the percentage rates of infection and mortality that Northern Ireland was looking at a conservatively was looking at a 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 uh, uh, infection rate, mortality rate. 
and they literally have 88 beds in, in the province to look after everybody. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's absolutely frightening. It makes me think that human beings are actually not capable of understanding the impact that they might have over a, a long lifespan and that a lot of human beings can't see further than their own mortality and maybe they can't see further than their mortality and their children's mortality. And there is a, there, there's a possibility that uh, medicine and technology will allow human beings to live to the age of 150 or 350 or 550. Um, and, for, and, and for people, if you've never, if a person has never considered the fact or the possibility that someone has lived to 550, it sounds like a, a ridiculous thing. It sounds like, ah, this is this is bullshit. This guy's talking out of his ass. There's no way anybody could live till till they're 500. But we are just talking about tissue and and regenerating that tissue. And I, and I don't. I actually don't think people have the capacity to really appreciate the timeline. And I think they will have the. If they live to if they live to five hundred and their lifespan is that long, then they might be able to think in a little bit more longer terms. I think it's like asking a, um, a five year old child to truly appreciate superannuation. It's that it's 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 on that same kind of uh, unimaginable time span, and we are seventy years old. And our children are going to be 70, 80, 90 years old, and their children are going to be 78 or 90 years old. But we're just so self centered. We are just so self centered. But we could change it. We could change it in a heartbeat. Or maybe not a heartbeat, but we could change it in a we could change it in a in a in a long heartbeat. And and our the way we live does not necessarily have to be in uh, have a focus on economics. Now, absolutely economics has a uh, an enormous part to play in, in people's prosperity and people's ability to be peaceful. You know, it is so easy, it is so easy for people to say that they are virtuous when they are in the modern day Western world society especially in Australia, especially in Australia. Australia is, is literally one of the most incredible places, incredible countries to uh, exist in, uh, make a living in. Um, and I know there are, there are people in Australia like there are anywhere in the world who have uh, a terrible time of it, who are sleeping on the street, who have uh, mental, uh, mental issues, who have drug and alcohol issues, who have insane uh, emotional issues. But living in Australia when everything is rolling along nicely, which it has been for 40, 50 years, maybe maybe even longer. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's and, it, and it all might be coming to an end. It's 
it's absolutely incredibly fascinating that it actually all might be coming to an end. And that the prosperity that we enjoy might actually now, and I, I actually think it'll pass in six to 12 months. I think we'll get to the other side of this. So I'm not being an, an alarmist at all. I, I don't think I'm being an alarmist at all. And I think that, yeah, 12 months later, there will be some horrific casualties and I am hoping and praying on a daily basis that none of those casualties are members of my family. <clears throat> but we will emerge on the other side of this, whoever happens to be left. And I think most of us will be left. But I think most of us will emerge on the other side of it. But I, I have to be honest, I have I've had flashes of, and I, I think I've already spoken about this, this this small tiny shock to the collective system has has made me understand uh has made me understand the Holocaust, has made me understand what happened in World War II. And if, if, we, if we happen to, oh man, if we happen to have, if, if we happen to have someone right now that came and was able to communicate with everyone and said, hey, listen, everybody who is terrified and scared, who are, who are both buying uh, toilet paper and cumin, I know what's happening. I know what's wrong. It's, it's these people's faults. I, I would not be that surprised whatsoever if a majority, and I'm talking about, I'm coming from an Australian perspective, I wouldn't be surprised at all if a majority of Australians, if they were given the opportunity to scapegoat a particular section of the community to blame for this, would jump on it and say, yes, it is their fault. Yeah, let's bundle these these motherfuckers in train carriages and send them off, send them off to factories where we're going to kill them. It, like it's 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 absolutely um, Jesus, man! It doesn't take that much to reveal our 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 flaws as human beings. It does not take much at all. Um, uh, yeah, and this 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 coronavirus is is going to be here with us. It's going to take out. It's going to take out people that we love. It's gonna. It's gonna. Even now, even even if it never touches anybody that you love, it has it has made you skeptical of being close to another human being. It's created a distance. It's created a space that you need to respect, and we're not going to indulge in that space because Jesus, if I shake hands with you, even though you look healthy. I could actually be killing my grandparents. Yeah. I'm going to take my children out of school because 
if they stay in there and come home and get babysat by, by, by their grandparents, they might kill my grandparents. They might kill their grandparents. Yeah, it's a terrible... It's terrible and it's also beautiful because it reveals the, the human spirit. It, re it reveals... Ah, oh man. Fuck, it takes away our... our um, our human-centric view on the universe. And I don't think for a moment that this is going to be the end of humanity, but it definitely exposes certain aspects of humanity which are disgusting. It definitely, definitely exposes some aspects of humanity which are just disgusting, abhorrent. And I've se I've seen a couple of uh, I've seen a couple of videos where uh, the canals of Venice, for example, are now crystal clear. I remember watching a video. I no, hang on, what was I watching? I, I watched I Walked the Line, which is the Johnny Cash movie, uh, and I watched it when it first came out. Uh, I uh, I was a, I was a big Johnny Cash fan for a long time, but I watched it on the plane to India. I was going to India, and I was going to India to work as a, you know, for want of a better word, but man, I was going to I was going to India as a missionary, and we were there to build houses for people in the rural parts of Tamil Nadu, and on the on the plane to that place. Um, I watched the Johnny Cash movie, How I Walked the Line. And it was such a moving film. Jesus. It was such a moving film. And I remember watching it. And it was a, you know, it was a tiny screen. You were watching it. It was a, it was a smaller screen than a, a modern-day iPad when it came out. And I, I remember absolutely just, being yeah, being being overwhelmed by 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 that film. Um, but there is an element. There's an element to. There's an element to. I walk the line. Um, as as there is an element to. Uh, what what is happening. I say you have to kind of go all in here. You have to you have to kind of go all in. The, the greatest scene in that film, you know, I walked the line, was when uh, Johnny Cash got caught in a, uh, a, a in an airport. Uh, it was Joaquin Phoenix playing with Johnny Cash, but he got caught in an airport, and and he had he had like five hundred pill uh, amphetamine tablets inside the in, inside the guitar case. And he was sitting in an interview room at an airport, and they were detuning his guitar. It was one of the it was one of the great moments of cinema. It was one of those moments of cinema where what was happening in the life of the character was was being displayed on on screen at the same time. Um, he was being detuned. He was his tension was being loosened. His theater, his command of what was happening, he was being unmasked uh, with every turn of 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 the of the guitar string. 
And then, yeah, and then they took out took out bags of took out bags of cocaine. Um, but it but it is absolutely it. Man, I don't know. Is the word frightening? It is. It is absolutely frightening. But and 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 the possibility is that maybe that we will all reset. That we will all. Awaken. Now I'm okay. Full disclosure: I have two legs in both camps. I am a musician. I'm an uh, I'm an artist, for want of a better word. I ha- I earn my living and have earned uh, not my entire living, but I've earned half my living in the artist camp, in the musician camp. Um, I've 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 been in a spot where I've played four, five gigs a week for um, X amount of years. Um, I've earned money there. But then I've also I've also played the square life. I've also run the square life where I've invested in property and I've, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, at the moment I'm teaching at university. Like I'm, I'm, not, the, I'm not the pure uh, artist who has forgone everything and, and is just about the music. I actually couldn't think of anything worse than being just about the music. And I actually, when I when I meet people who are just about the music, um, they make me want to vomit. I actually, I actually don't, I, I don't, I don't appreciate or enjoy people who are just about the music. Um, it's it's almost like a fetish that I'm that I'm witnessing. Um, so I, I I've played both sides of the fence. Um, but we we are now in a in a situation where the people who either are half on the fence or are playing some kind of music now have no now have no income. Now today is the twenty first of March two thousand and twenty. Schools are still open in Australia. I think they'll be closed in the next week. I'm going to take my children out of school. Um, I'm going to take my children out of school on Monday. Um, and man, you have to give it, you have to give it to the, to the, um, to the people who work in the government. When they stand up there and say, um, there has to be social distancing. We're only going to be, we're only going to be connected in essential gatherings. And everyone has to stay at home. And then poor old Scott Morrison has to say, except except for essential services. And then some bastard journalists asks him, what are essential services? And then he rattles off what essential services are. And it literally takes more than a minute for him to talk about all the other essential services. Which, which means so many people are still together, are still congregating together. And he rattles off. I mean, he did say he did say his own church. He wasn't going to be. Uh, he wasn't going to. He was going to be able to um, celebrate his 
what is that? His evangelical Protestant. Uh, he, he, but he wasn't going to be able to do that in 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 the five hundred plus strong crowd that he normally enjoyed. He he was going to uh, that that had to end. But when he was asked what was essential services, he basically rattled off. I reckon seventy five to eighty percent of the country. And all our children are still at school. So he talked about essential services, like, say, the people who work in the supermarket, like the trucking industry, for example. He went on and on and on. And it basically took up so much of of the human population. We all have to be quiet and have social distancing, but all these people are still going to keep going. And we're going to keep your children and all your teachers as they are, uh, we're going to keep them going as they are, um, but we're going to keep an open mind because it we, we it might change in in the very near future. So it's almost as if our children are like a different species of human that don't count when it comes to passing on this coronavirus. I think me personally myself, I have reached a point where. I am willing to look foolish and I'm now happy to be completely overcautious. Yeah. And I'm quite happy to, um, what I would call Howard Hughes myself up in, uh, in, in my own environment. Um, and I think I talked about it on, on the last podcast. I had, I've had a fantasy of being arrested and being put in, being put in house arrest. For a very long time, for years and years. Uh, so it makes very little sense to me when people are like worried, oh, geez, what am I going to do if I have to sit at home? You know, if you're lucky enough to have a home, if you're lucky enough to be able to pay for a home, well, what am I going to do if I'm at home by myself? You know, it sounds terrifying. Well, you're going you're gonna to rest. That, that's the first thing you're going to do. You're now going to, you know, if you don't have to go to work and you're lucky enough to have a place where you can um, rest your head on a pillow and you've got a roof above it, you know, the first thing you're going to do is just sleep and restore yourself. I, I think sleeping is, I think sleeping is, is, is even better than exercise. Sleeping is when you plug yourself back into your, uh, into yourself and you regenerate and restore your human human body your human mind I, I think the Japanese have a saying that a man who stops dreaming stops living um, so there's a very uh, there's a yeah there's a very there's a very dangerous there's a very dangerous path to accept if you are not even considering dreaming if you are too exhausted or you are too drunk to enjoy your own dreams uh, it makes for an unbalanced human makes for an unbalanced individual um i had some crazy dreams last night i don't think i'll go into the crazy dreams last night um but we are yeah but but, but we are here and we are we are now you know, we are now we are now faced with the possibility of looking foolish or doing the right thing. And I think in this instance, 
looking foolish is doing the right thing. So let's look foolish. Let's uh, let's batten down the hatches. Let's social distance ourselves. Uh, let's not shake hands. Let's wash our hands. Man, I'm the since all this has started. I have I I think I've washed my hands in the last two weeks more than I have in the last maybe ten years. Yeah, and I and I think I might have I, I might have said that before, but I'll but I'll say it again. Um. Yeah, we are we are in this together. We are in this together. We are in a we are in a uh, a playground together or a or a sewing circle together. And we um, shouldn't underestimate our contribution. In a way, this is like a, a very democratic uh, opportunity. This is our way to just make a, a difference. And, and you may not believe in in voting, and I, Jesus, I'd be one of those people. I, yeah, most of my voting experience over the last five or ten years is me turning up, getting my lot, my name crossed off in the line, and then just saying, "All right, I'm out of here," and then having to get a letter a month or two later in the mail, and then I, I'll I'll write back to the letter saying, "Yeah, I was there and I voted," and that's the end of it. Um, because there is this, there is a safety and an indulgence in affluence, which is what is which is what is so prevalent in Australia, and and, and I think we will experience the same thing with regards to this coronavirus. We are this giant island that is somehow connected to the mass markets of Asia, but we're also completely isolated. We literally are isolated. Sure. With, we, you know, we talk about all this sophisticated uh, posturing, this sophisticated interconnectivity in, 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 in global markets, but we are literally surrounded by, we are old school, uh, we are old school market Protected by what? Uh, by bonds, by by uh, by shorts, by uh... no, we're 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 protected by water. We literally have a moat. Australia is like a castle. It's like a medieval castle surrounded by water, and we get to enjoy the protection from almost everything around the world. Because we are literally a medieval castle surrounded by a moat. It's in our. It's in our. Uh, it's in our, uh, our. Our national anthem. Our, our land is girt by sea. Our land is. Our land is girt by sea. Is basically saying we're a fucking castle and we have a moat around us. We enjoy. We enjoy the same kind of security that America enjoys from the Atlantic Ocean and whatever the other ocean is on the other side. I think it's the Pacific. They have friendly neighbours to the north, the Canadians. They have, uh, uh, they, they have beautiful neighbours to the south in the Mexicans. And the Mexicans are not looking to hurt them. The, the Mexicans want to join them. And the Canadians, the Canadians are just happy being Canadians. And Australia is that amplified times 10. 
And New Zealand is that amplified times 30. So it's it's um it's disappoint it's disappointing to see Australians on the beach en masse. It really is. It's disappointing to see the ego and the ignorance of of human beings putting other people at jeopardy. Now you I also have to say, well, these are all stories. I've been told that if they go to the beach, that they might be putting their grandparents at jeopardy. That they might be putting their uncle who's uh, has had uh, respiratory troubles for a long time at jeopardy. And there are 20, 30, 40, 50 year olds hanging out at Bondi Beach en masse. And, and, and there is a in the Australian lower cultural class, uh, no, not cultural class, in the Australian broad spectrum of a lack of culture, which we have here in Australia, we have a, we do have a lack of culture in Australia, and people f struggling to find that lack of culture, struggling to find that culture, sorry, in that lack of culture space, will often lend uh, or lean into larrikinism they will often lean into well i don't give a fuck mate we're all australians and it's all hilarious and it's all great and there's an aspect of everything's cool everything's whatever and uh, it's a game of two up mate and and we'll uh, we'll race the enemies around the paddock in Alice springs well fuck those people fuck those ridiculous retarded people Fuck those ignorant cunts. How dare they? How dare they? But that's what they are. And they don't know any better. It's a bit like Jesus Christ on the cross. Forgive them for, for they don't know what they do. Uh, they don't know any better. When they went through high school, no one told them. No one whispered in their ear about uh, Patrick White. No one whispered in their ear about Nicky Gemmell. You know, when they went through high school, they, they, were, they were forced to read Margaret Atwood, feminist sci-fi Canadian dystopian literature. Well, that's very, that's very difficult to, uh, that's very difficult to engage with. It's very, that's very difficult to, uh, it's very difficult to get your intellectual head around. What is it that you want to do? Well, I just want to be an Australian. Well, no, fuck off. That's not good enough. Have you read any Patrick White? Have you read even a few poems of uh, of Henry Lawson and Banjo Patterson? Have you listened to a few albums of Slim Dusty? If you want to go that far, do you realize that uh, that that this country is actually only 175 years old? Do you realize that uh, from 1778 to 1850? There was 300,000 people in this country and half of them were um, jailers and soldiers and half of them were convicts. Do you realize that this country as we know it now, right now, only became once we found gold in, uh, in Ballarat. Was it Ballarat or Bendigo? One of those. 
places, one of those places. And in, in 1850, 1851, 1852, overnight, literally overnight, once, once the word was out that there was gold in Australia, the population doubled. From, from 1851, 1852, the population doubled. And it went from 300,000 people who were made up of convicts, soldiers, convicts most of them Chinese, and, and the country that we enjoy today was built by those Chinese people, was built by those Chinese people. And there's no, there's no, um, there's no culture, there's no culture, there's no culture for the average Australian person to cling on to. They have to search for it. I, I was working in um, Canningvale Prison, which is also called which is also called Haikia Prison. Um, what's the year today? Twenty twenty. I was working there from oh man, it would have been ten years ago. And there was a there was a guy that that, that came in and he Haikia Prison was a uh, was a maximum security prison and he came in and this guy would have been 25 and he had uh, he, he, he was slim but he had nice big shoulders and he had ginger hair and he had he had a little bit of a ginger beard because when you're in jail you don't want to, you don't want to freshly shave your face the last thing you want to do is freshly shave your face um, but he came. He came into the school. I, I used to work in the school in the prison, and he came into the school. And he said, you know, not 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 the first day he was in, but this took a while. Uh, but he said, you know, I have a I have a thirst. I have a yearning to find out my culture, who I am, where I come from. And, and he said, all all there is here in in Australia is uh, a larrikin culture for someone like me. Now he was a he was a white guy with ginger hair. He was probably two, three, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh generation Australian. Who knows what he was? But you know, but he wasn't coming from Szechuan province. He wasn't coming from uh, Afghan. He wasn't uh, uh, he wasn't coming from Ireland. He wasn't coming from England. He didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't coming from France. He didn't have a culture, and he yearned for it. He yearned for it, and he was saying to me. Uh, to, you know, there's just this, this larrikin culture, larrikin culture, and that's not real culture. It's a cop-out. It's bullshit. And he told me this horrible story. Um, he had just gotten uh, let out of prison. When I met him, that was, the, uh, that, was the, that was the second time he had been in prison. So he had been in prison once before, and, and he was telling me the story of when he got let out again. Uh, sorry, let out the first time, and he went to hang out with his father, and his father was a farmer on a remote town in Western Australia. Now, for the people who are listening, Western Australia has some extraordinarily remote places, extraordinarily remote um, uh, farming practices. Uh, so he found himself on one of these stations, 
and he he said the first day he was on he was back on the farm he just came out of jail and he came out of jail for a grievous grievous uh, grievous bodily harm charge where he uh, where he attacks where he attacked someone or he defended himself but he ended up hurting this other person so he had to do a year and a half in prison and he got let out and his he got let out into the custody of his father so he was on his farm and there was a cow that was stuck in a small riverbed that ran through the ran through the station and the cow was the cow I, I don't know what the terminology was but the cow was basically up to his shoulders in mud and the cow couldn't get out and he said his father didn't want to spend the money on on the fuel to go and get the four-wheel drive to wrap the cow to wrap the cow's head with uh, 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 with a bungee cord and pull him out because the cow had been there for a couple of days and he looked weak and he looked old and he looked uh, he just didn't look good and he said his father handed him a hammer. And said, "You need to, you need to put this beast out of its misery, because we're not going to waste our time pulling it out of the mud." And and as as this as this man, and we would have been the same age as we were talking, but as this man was telling me this story, you could see in his, you could see it in his eyes, you could see it in his heart. Even recalling, even recalling the story, that the last thing he wanted to do was to finish this cow off with a hammer. And yet, that's what he was—that's what he was asked to do. That's what he was called to do. And he was yearning for culture. He was yearning for an identity. He was yearning for who he actually was because how he stood, how he existed, how he was in the world didn't fulfill how he wanted to feel and he wanted to know who he was and he was chasing his own history and he was chasing, he was chasing uh, meaning and he was chasing a sense of connection. And I don't think that is too much to ask as a human being.
Ain't got no time for garden Ain't got no time for marching Ain't got no time for giving up Ain't got no time for running Only do so much learning All I got time for is love So come and love me sweetly I'll wrap you up completely won't let you lose until you had enough I ain't got no heart for bleeding All I got is what I'm needing All I got time for Every time you walk out and say goodbye, my friend This could be the last time is all that's in my head What I wouldn't give now for just one more day Watch you walk back this way Come and lay your love upon me Let me be your one and only We'll take our time with all the things you're dreaming of Let me show you all that this time you let your heart be gathered It's all I got time for is love Every time you walk out and say goodbye My friend This could be the last time is all that in my head What I wouldn't give now For just one more day Just you 
watch you walk back this way. <laughs>